Okay, good morning, uh, LLC. Uh, happy Sunday to you. Uh, 12 more days until Christmas. I'm not sure how that sounds to you, but that sounds wonderful uh, to, to me. 12 days until uh, Christmas. Can you believe it? What a year it has been. Uh, today, we're starting a new series. Uh, we're starting a new series called Fear Not uh, on the Do Not Fear passages found in Luke chapter 1 to 2. Uh, we're titling Fear Not with the subtitles, The Uncancelled Story of Christmas, because I've been reading quite a few articles saying Christmas is ruined. Uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry is the Grinch. Uh, <laughs> she has stolen it away from us. Uh, but I don't believe uh, anyone can really steal Christmas away from us because it's found in Jesus. It's found in Christ. Is found in uh, who uh, he is. So we're going to go through these uh, three passages uh, in these two chapters, Luke 1 and 2, and study three specific passages that talk about do not fear of angels appearing. Today's going to be uh, appearing to Zachariah, and then next week we'll be appearing to Mary. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to end with the angel appear, angels appearing uh, to the shepherds in the field. And all of them have a similar message of do not be afraid, of, of fear not. And I believe that's a word for us as a church as a people of God uh, th this morning, as we go into uh, this Christmas season, because even though Christmas is looking different this year, like I've said, Christmas is not canceled. The story of Christmas and the truth behind Christmas and the arrival and the advent uh, or expectant arri second uh, arrival, the second coming of Jesus uh, continues on. Nothing can really steal our joy because it's founded uh, in, in Christ. Uh, and uh, before we get started, uh, why don't I just pray for us? Uh, Father, uh, thank you. Uh, this morning, we can start a new series, uh, a new series that as we go into this uh, Christmas season again, as we're going to 12 days away from, from Christmas, God, from Christmas Day, we're reminded of your goodness, reminded of the grace that you've given, we're reminded, God, of, of who you are. Uh, so God, as we start the series, may you be in it. Uh, may we uh, hear your voice. It's the same message that you proclaimed to Zachariah, Mary, and the shepherds of do not fear, uh, do not be afraid. Uh, may that be truth over us uh, in, in 2020 as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this was a few years ago uh, when Jess was going uh, out to work. Uh, she was driving. Uh, and she was driving out to Surrey. She's a nurse. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my Jess, uh, my wife Jess is a nurse uh, out in out in Surrey Memorial in the NICU. And it was uh, it was winter time. It was a time where uh, it was starting to snow. We don't get much snow here in Vancouver. But that night, as she was going to her night shift, I remember it was coming down pretty heavily. We were living in a different part of South Vancouver at that time. And I think for her to drive only all the way out to New West it was about like 30, 40 minutes already. And she should have been in, in Surrey. Uh, but she give, gives me a call and she's like, you know what? Like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Uh, the tires on my, on our matrix, uh, were skidding, uh, pretty badly. So I'm just going to pull over and can you come and get me and, you know, figure out a way home. So I got into a, my a second car and I tried to go in. I think I had an older car at that point and I had snow tires. So, uh, I was trying to be the heroic husband, you know, come, I'm going to come and save you. I'm gonna come all the way. And I was trying to you know, plow my way through and I, you know like the trap marine drive was uh, was fully backed up so i tried to take the alleyway i got stuck a few times but you know what i gotta get to my wife <laughs> so i'm gonna keep plowing all the way through in my mind i was worried i was concerned i was like she's stuck on the side of the road she's cold she's freezing you know i gotta go and, and rescue her but then little did i know what by the time i got there she actually ended up pulling off to the side into a parking lot uh, and when i got there i was all frazzled i think it took me at least an hour to get out there 
<laughs> from, from where I was, I was all frazzled. And then she comes out, uh, she was actually, you know, huddled up in a Starbucks, uh, ha having a, <laughs> having a, a caramel macchiato, which is one of her favorite drinks <laughs> and come out. It's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's the drive? Like all nonchalant and I was super Russian, super all, all, all worked up. Uh, but, but I, I kind of share that. I share that story because, you know, there must've been a piece, right? I, I not know not specifically knowing that her husband was coming, you know, <laughs> but to, to, to come and get her, but there's a piece knowing that she's been heard. Uh, she can you imagine if she was trying to make that call on the side of the road and no one was picking up and she was feeling stuck and trapped that in that moment, she would have felt a little bit more frazzled, uh, maybe too frazzled to go into a Starbucks and enjoy that moment, knowing that, you know, it'll be an hour later, her husband's going to come, come, come and get her. And I think in, in the story today, in the story of Zachariah is what we read, uh, as he's waiting on the Lord, as he's calling out to the Lord, I think some of us, many of us will resonate with, with the stories that have you ever wondered if, if anyone hears our prayers, right? As anyone hears our prayer that, that, that have you ever felt like your prayer just goes into a queue somewhere out in heaven, out into the cosmos and like, it's waiting, you know, file by file all the way by God. And you're like, you're wondering if God ever hears what you're going to say. And also another question we have is what well, I have for you is like, what's one thing that you've been praying for uh, that you want to bring before God in prayer, but you just think is impossible. And in the text this morning, uh, we come face to face with that reality that we all have an impossible situation that we think is impossible that maybe we've been praying for, or maybe we've stopped praying for. And I believe the story of Zachariah and the story of the angel Gabriel coming to encounter Zachariah speaks into us uh, this morning, because I definitely have those moments. I, I have those moments where I'm praying. I'm like, God, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You know, do you hear my, my words? Do you hear what my heart, uh, as I pray for our ministries, I, I, I'm called to, I, I, I'm like, God, you know, are, do you hear me? Are we making a difference here? I wonder if my prayer for people really does anything. Does it really help? I wonder in those days when I'm at the end of myself, where I'm exhausted and tired, that God, am I going to make it through to, to uh, rest of the day? Or I'm going to make it through to tomorrow? Or as I'm praying for my family, God, are you really overseeing us? The list goes on. And we all have those moments where we wonder, God, do you hear our prayers? But we see today in, in this passage that, that God does hear our prayers. Uh, in fact, the big idea is that God doesn't only hear our prayers, uh, but there's a purpose to our prayer, that our prayer is never out of place, and that our emptiness, the emptiness that we feel in that moment where we're wondering if he's uh, hearing us, uh, we're wondering if there's more to life, that our empty, emptiness is made full in God, that our emptiness is made full in him, that, that, that he does hear us and he also fulfills the prayer, that he answers the prayer in his time. You see, the people of Israel have been praying for a long time before this. Uh, in fact, they've been praying for Messiah and they haven't seen the Messiah. Uh, in fact, there's been 400 years of silence just before this, as this is the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. That is 400 years of silence where people weren't able to hear God and weren't able to hear him speak. And they're wondering, God, are you still there? Like, hello, like what's happening uh, up there? The people of Israel have been praying for change in the world and change in their own life. And, and they haven't exactly been experiencing, uh, experiencing it. So you might be wondering, like, well, why do we need, um, uh, why, why do we need this filling anyway? Like, you know, some of us might be wondering, well, maybe I don't feel very empty today, but I, I want to argue that all of us have this emptiness in us that can only be filled by God, that we have this, uh, we have moments of loneliness, we have moments of emptiness, we have moments where we feel like, what is the purpose of my life? 
especially with 2020, with everything going out the window, we're wondering, God, like what is happening here? Or what is the purpose uh, of my life? And the first thing today in this passage that we see is that in our emptiness, God is not empty himself. That in our emptiness, God is not empty. The first thing we see here is that God chooses to enter into our emptiness. So whatever that impossible prayer that you have, whatever the emptiness that you're feeling, God chooses to enter into that. He chooses to enter into our emptiness. Uh, verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of, of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of, the, of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. A lot of details there, details that we're not meant to skim over, but details that are meant to reveal the greater story of what God is doing. The characters in today's story was are only found in the Gospel of Luke. We, we know of them in the other Gospels, but it's only in the Gospel of Luke that we hear their names uh, specifically. Zechariah, which means Jehovah has remembered, or Elizabeth, which means God is my oath. Uh, they were a godly couple, and they belonged to the priestly line. They were both righteous. They were both blameless. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're blameless in God's sight, meaning that they followed him. They obeyed every word of God and was a faithful people. And on paper, it seems like Zachariah and Elizabeth had everything lined up for them, right? Like everything lined up. They were positioned perfectly to receive God's grace. If you were to look at anyone back in that day, first century Jerusalem, they would, they would have said, this couple is going to receive God's favor. This couple is going to receive God's blessing. This couple is going to have it Oh, well, why do I say this? Well, again, Zachariah, he's a priest. He's a man and he's married. And in that culture, that was a big deal. People would have considered him highly favored. But a bit of foreshadowing into next week's sermon, uh, we don't hear Zachariah being the one highly favored. We hear of Mary, the single woman, uh, being highly favored uh, by God. And people wouldn't have seen Mary as someone that was highly favored, who was a woman, who was young, who had no titles back in the day. But God says that she has favor with him. Despite the differences, we see that God still blesses different kinds of people, despite of the challenges and the statuses uh, that they have. But here, back to, the, back, back to this uh, part in Luke, is that we see that you would have thought that Zechariah and his family, with all his credentials, he would have had everything. But they were lacking one thing. We read that at the end of verse uh, 7 there, that they were lacking one thing. And what is the first word that we see in verse seven? So we see verse five, verse six, all the titles, credentials that he has. And this is intentional as Luke is writing this. But despite the credentials, despite everything that they thought they had, despite the statuses that they have, but there was still something that was missing. There was an emptiness within them. Uh, they were childless, as, as we see here that they were childless without, and they've been wanting a kid. And I'm not going to brush past this pain. Let's just hang here for a little moment uh, this, this morning that I'm not going to pass through that pain and that loss because some of you have experienced this pain, uh, whether having lost a child or wanting to have a child or maybe even both, that this pain is very real for you as we talk about this passage this morning. Perhaps some of you are longing uh, like the same as other biblical characters like Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, and Hannah, this name few of wanting a child but not being able to have any. 
Uh, they longed to have their own baby and they prayed and prayed and prayed that God will answer their prayer. And so this morning, you know, you know this longing that they have. You, you understand this longing that they have for this, for, for this child, that you understand this emptiness, this void in, in their lives. But for those of us that haven't experienced this, you also understand this emptiness. You also understand this void. And maybe this year, all, all the more in 2020, that really has been a year of lament, of loss, of emptiness that we usually travel. We usually find joy in our friends and community and all the things that we like to do. But we're void of that this year. And you also experience this emptiness. There's emptiness that comes in different forms. Maybe it's a dream that you've had and you realize it's shattered. Maybe it's in your relational status now, uh, in your singleness, in your singlehood, and you're wondering, God, what's going on there? Maybe it's falling short of a goal that you've had and it's only led to disappointment as you chase that dream, as you chase that goal. Maybe you can imagine too the longing that Zachariah and Elizabeth have in this moment, that they had everything else, but there's still this emptiness. But we hear and we see this morning that God meets them in their emptiness. That God doesn't run away with, uh, from it. God doesn't push it aside, but God meets them exactly where their emptiness is. And maybe like Zachariah, you, you, you feel like you've done everything perfectly. You follow God blamelessly and you're righteous as well. You've listened to your parents. Uh, you follow everything that they say. You've done what's expected of you. You've studied hard. You've got good grades. You got it in that university. You have that job that you've wanted and that you're looking for. And maybe you're a church leader and you're leading your heart out and you're teaching your heart out and you're guiding and discipling your heart out. And, and you're wondering still, God, like what is going on here? It doesn't seem like life is going the way that I thought it was going to go. There's still this void and this emptiness here. But we're reminded today that your faithfulness matters. That Zechariah, all those years, even though they were not given a child, he was still faithful. That he was still righteous and blameless in God's sight. He was still wrestling with it, but he was still faithful. And that your everyday faithfulness matters. And some of you need to hear that today. You're wondering, does it matter that I follow God? And, it, and we hear here in this passage that it does matter. That God hears you, that God knows you, that God knows your pain. It doesn't matter how success, successful or capable or credentialed uh, we might be. We're still called to trust in God. We trust in God because he enters into our emptiness. And he knows our pain. And, and ultimately in life, we can't fulfill every aspect of our lives. And Christmas reminds us of that, that God enters into our emptiness, that God gives us a gift that we cannot gain ourselves, that we cannot buy ourselves, that he comes into our story and is exactly in this pain, uh, exactly in this emptiness that God enters in, it enters into Zachariah's life. And this is setting up the story for us, uh, for Zachariah and Elizabeth and a miracle that's about to happen. It is in this deep pain and in this deep longing that God shows up. And we learn here that God enters into your emptiness, into our emptiness in a way that perhaps we would least expect it to. That you've been waiting for God to enter and you're waiting for him to act and he hasn't, but we're reminded that he might just enter into your emptiness and your longing in a way that you least expected. Verse eight, once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. 
okay, a little bit of Bible history, of temple history. Let's geek out a little bit. When King David uh, gave Solomon the plans for the temple, David also divided the priesthood. He said, there's too many priests, so we're going to give all the priests equal amount of opportunity to serve in, in the temple. So he divided the priests into smaller divisions uh, so that this uh, every family were able to serve. So they divided the priesthood into 24 separate divisions. And we see here that Zechariah belonged to the, uh, the, uh, the, the division of Abijah, which is the eighth division of the 24. And what happens in the temple is that twice a year, that division is selected to serve in the temple for one week. So they have two weeks a year on separate occasions to serve in the temple. And part of it was lighting the incense, the incense of the prayers, which we, we see here. So, and also we read that in verse nine, he was chosen by lot, meaning another way, a modern way of explaining is that they were praying and that was a way that God has given them to select people. So they prayed and said, we're going to cast lots. We're going to roll, roll this dice uh, as it were, and we're going to see who we get selected uh, by God. And so they do that. And, and Zachariah's name gets chosen and he gets chosen to offer up uh, incense and uh, incense. And this is a, pl a place of high honor. It's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. There's something like 18,000 uh, priests at that time, and you get one opportunity to serve in this way. So it's a place of high honor, uh, of, 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 of high standing. So that evening, um, uh, that, that day, he was chosen to go and to present uh, this, this offering to burn the incense. So it was on this, not impossible situation, but once in a lifetime situation that he encounters God. In a time that he didn't expect to encounter God, even though he's going to the temple, that this is exactly the moment that he encounters God. But as special as this moment is, it might have been mundane for them because it's also his job. It's something that he knows, that something that he's grown up around, something that he's always seen, that you just go to the temple and you do your thing and you go on with the rest of your life. That this was his job. He was on assignment uh, to serve, but it was also what his role was. And what's interesting to me is that even though this was special to him and, and may, maybe all the other priests, that this isn't the first day that the priests have done this, right? This is the everyday kind of job. They go to the temple for the last 400 years to pray, uh, to offer up incense. They didn't expect uh, to hear God's voice, though, as, it's, as it seems. Uh, that maybe some of them were exhausted from doing it, that every single week uh, the priesthood is doing this, every single day rather, they're doing this. And they're like, God, when are you going to show up? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm wondering, are, do you hear me? And maybe their faith would have waned and they would have wondered if God was going to show up in their circumstance. And maybe some of you are feeling that today as well, that you've been going to church, to God's temple week uh, after week, that every single day you've been reading your scripture, you've been praying, you've been wondering, God, do you hear me? But we see here that God does show up in a way that Zachariah least expects it. Because as excited as Zachariah must have been, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go and to serve, it felt routine. And maybe for some of us, life feels routine. Life in Vancouver is pretty good. Uh, Vancouver is beautiful in the summertime. It's especially for me, favorite, my favorite time of year. It's beautiful when the snow, uh, mountains get a little bit of dusting, right? Of snow and, and the sun just, uh, just, just shines through. Like we live in a very beautiful place where often we get, we get, we get uh, bombarded by this mess, the messages of the daily life of our work, uh, of, our, of our responsibilities. And also in the beautiful city that we forget 
that God is speaking, that God is there, that we get into the routine of the everyday. And it might have been routine for the people there in that day as well. We read here that they were all assembled outside just worshiping and just praying like they do every single day. But it was in the everyday. It was in the everyday in the seemingly mundane activity that God chose to speak. Don't miss that, that God chose to speak in that moment. When Zacharias inside the temple, even though that's supposed to be where the presence of God is, he did not expect God to show up. He did not expect God to speak. He did not expect God to, to reveal himself. And as we near Christmas as well, we're reminded of the same thing. That we, Are we expectant of God to show up? Are we expectant of God to answer our prayer? Are we expectant of God to reveal himself in ways that we never thought he would? Because this is the same Christmas story that we've heard so many times again. And just a word about prayer here is that historically, reformation and renovation in the church and in people's lives seem to be birthed by prayer. That's after moments of intense prayer, of, of longing prayer, that, that we see God on the move. We're reminded that prayer for, for, for you today, if you've been praying for something for a very long time, whether it's for that sickness or for that healing, for that impossible situation, it's never out of place. You should never feel silly to pray because that's what God calls us to do. And that's, what God call, that's how God answers us. And that's how God hears us. No matter how hopeless the situation might be, I want to encourage us that you're never out of place to be praying. You never do feel foolish to be praying for that situation. And what we see in this passage is that Zechariah prays. But what's fascinating as well later on is that God chooses to use his prayer to fulfill a prophecy as well of the coming of John. Uh, the, the, the gospel in Luke, it doesn't talk too much about it, uh, about the prophecy of, of John, uh, John the Baptist, who is Zechariah's son. Uh, the gospel of Mark does, uh, reveals that a little bit more in terms of the passages in Malachi of the coming of the gospel of John, uh, of, of, of John the Baptist. But we see here that it is through Zechariah's prayer that God fulfills a prophecy. So we should never feel foolish in praying. We never know how God is going to show up. We never know how God is going to use our prayer. We never know how God is going to use the desires and the emptiness and the longings of our heart to fulfill something greater in, in our lives and in his world and in his kingdom. You never know that when you're praying for someone, you might just be prophesying over them. You might be calling something into reality that's been waiting for a long time. And that leads us to the third point here this morning is that God makes us full in better ways than we can imagine. That Zachariah's been praying for a child for a long time, and I would argue that he would have even stopped praying. But is it, it is exactly in this moment when he doesn't expect God to show up, even though he's in the temple, even though it's routine for the priesthood to be doing this, lighting the incense and, and, and offering that prayer, that this is exactly where God shows up in his perfect timing. In verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. That seems to be the biblical narrative when people encounter angels that they just are in fear. Uh, I guess I would be too. Uh, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. This is key. Your prayer has been heard. Why should you not be afraid? It's because your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. So your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to call him 
John, jump to verse 17 there. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he's going to fulfill, fulfill this prophecy that's been, uh, that's been prophesied back in Malachi 450 years ago uh, that he's going to fulfill this. And God has heard your prayer, that God has used your prayer to fulfill this prophecy. But also God has prophesied it. So in a sense, God is using both the prophecy and the prayer to fulfill his will, that it come in tandem in, in both ways. But what I find fascinating here is that the angel appears and says, do not be afraid because your prayer has been heard. And he's going to have a son and he's to name him John. And the word name John means God has been gracious. Names full of meaning that even in the womb here, Later, he's to be John the Baptist. He's to prepare the way of the Lord. Even in the womb, John the Baptist is preparing the way of the Lord because we are going to compare this story to the story of Mary next week. The Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to see how amazing that is. Even in the womb, he's preparing a way for Jesus. Yet in this good news, Zachariah is in fear. Uh, remember where he is right now. Like He is in the house of the Lord. Like he is in the temple, he's in the tabernacle, he is in the place where he's just feet away uh, from the veil, and behind the veil is the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God is. He is in the presence of God, and he is in fear. And I find that fascinating to me, that in the place where he's closest to God, that he, he fears the most, that he perhaps feels the most lost and most confused of what is going on. And why is that? I know this picture is a little bit blurry, but a little bit more of geekiness in terms of how people entered into the temple is important. That in point number one there, as they're going into the temple, they're preparing themselves to enter and to encounter the God. And, and then they go into point number two, where they make a sacrifice at the altar. And this is where they confess their sins. Uh, they, they confess their sins of the things that they've done wrong. They make up the offering uh, up to God. And then in verse uh, in number three there, they go to the, uh, uh, the basin to, to cleanse themselves as a sign of for forgiveness of God. And then they, if they're a priest, they're able to enter into worship, into the holy place, into the temple themselves. And all of that is to prepare them to encounter God. That is the purpose of all of that, that there's a step in a process to all of that. All of that is for them to encounter God, but it seems like Zachariah in the mundane, in the everyday, in the task that he's been given, wasn't expectant to actually hear from God. They went through all the processes, he went through everything, but he did not expect to hear from God. And notice the detail in this passage again, that the, the angel is standing where? At the right side of the altar, if I go back to that passage, he's standing at the right side of the altar of incense. He burns the incense as a, as a symbol of the people's offering up to God. And as he's doing this, an angel appears in the right side of the altar of incense. A little bit more of a, of a picture here is that imagine this, this guy in the blue is Zachariah. Uh, right there. Oh. The person in the blue right there is Zachariah. He's burning the altar of incense. And right before him is a gigantic veil, which isn't seen here. It's a veil that's nine centimeters thick, 60 feet long, 30 feet wide, one piece altogether that you can't even see behind them. And here is he looking and making this offering. As he's bowing down and praying, he looks up, he sees an angel of the Lord on the right side standing there. Why the right side? I Theologians have gone down this rabbit trail and tried to discover it. 
not really sure why. Maybe it signifies power, signifies that he is speaking on behalf of the Lord. Perhaps that's it. But another, uh, another thought, another tradition that's out there is that you can't enter the veil through the middle because there is no gap. It's only after Jesus, the veil was torn in half that you're able to go through right down the middle, that you actually had to come in through around the curtain. That tradition says that it is perhaps that this angel Gabriel came from the Holy of Holies himself in the presence of God right before Zechariah. That there's this word from the Lord specifically for his people right before Holy of Holies. And why I'm getting worked up here and why I'm getting emotional thinking about that is that how long do you think Zachariah and Elizabeth have been praying? How long do you think Elizabeth and Zachariah have been longing in their emptiness and their, and their longing for this child, for God to answer their prayer? Must have been so many years of prayer. So many years, so many years that perhaps they even stopped believing. Stop believing that God would actually answer. How many nights have they fallen flat on their face in tears, crying out to God? How many days have they were spent, were spent just angry at God, so angry that they couldn't even pray? Couldn't even pray and they're just yelling at God. Or maybe they're just wondering whether they've done something wrong. But here God chooses to grace Zachariah in the presence, even when he wasn't expecting an angel to appear, even when he wasn't expecting... God to speak, that God in that moment chooses to act and shows himself to his people. And I argue this, that it probably wasn't a very recent prayer because Zachariah doesn't believe in the angel. He's like, are you sure you got the right guy? Do you realize how old I am? Do you realize, I'm not going to say my wife is old, but she's in years, (laughs) you know, it's like, do you realize that? Like, are you sure Gabriel, you have the right person? So my question is here that this probably wasn't a recent prayer that Zachariah had. The prayer that's probably lost and forgotten a long, long time ago. And my question this morning is why didn't God answer their prayer then and there, back in the day when they're praying so fervently about it? Why did God not answer their prayer then? It wasn't because he didn't hear. It wasn't because they were sinning and disobedient because we read that they're blameless and that they're righteous. They weren't perfect, but they're walking to the best that they can before the Lord. But the reason it's because God had something so much better in store for them. That's why God answers the prayer in his own timing. That John the Baptist is to prepare the way for the Lord in that specific time that John the Baptist, their son, is to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That that is the purpose for his family, that that is the purpose in his waiting, that God's, purpose, uh, that God's timing is perfect, and that his purpose in answering your prayer is perfect. And that should give us encouragement this morning. If you've been praying for a long time for that prayer, whatever that is, whatever that impossible situation, and you're wondering, God, do you hear me? Do you know? Do you understand my emptiness and my longing? God is saying without a doubt that I hear you, that I know you, that I understand the pain and the longing, but my timing is perfect. And I have something for you that's so much better than you can ever, ever ever imagine. So much better. Just like for Zacharias, just like for Elizabeth, same for us. The promise is true.
But Zachariah says this, and he asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? Because as I mentioned, I am old and my wife is well along in years. And I find that a hilarious question because of how Gabriel answers that question in verse 19. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And that's a pretty good you know, CV, I think, uh, coming from someone that do you know who I am? I just came from the Holy of Holies that God gives me permission to go in and out, that I get to see the face of God myself. That is who I am that's, that's speaking to you. But yet he says, are you sure? And many of us are asking the same question today whenever God speaks of us. Maybe in this moment, you're wondering, are you sure as we encounter scripture ourselves? How can I be sure of this? And I hope you find that we will find encouragement today of how Christmas reminds us that God has heard our prayers, that we do not need to fear because God has heard, that God knows, that God sees, that you and I can expect to hear from God, that we can encounter God even more yet, that we're after Jesus was born, that he's, he's, he's lived a perfect life and he's died on the cross. And what happened when he was on the cross and when he died, the veil has been torn, that we have this open access with God himself, that there's no more separation from us and God. We can actually have this ongoing relationship with Jesus, not through a priest, not through any other means that we can have direct contact with God himself. And we are encouraged today and reminded that God does hear that there's no more veil separating us, that God can act in our life and he will encounter you. But are we listening? Are we, are we hearing him? Are we looking for him? The reminder for us this morning is that we do not need to fear because we have been heard. And some of you haven't prayed in a long time. And, and, and what you need to do this morning is you need to start praying again. And perhaps it's, this word for you is giving you encouragement that God does hear you, that your prayer doesn't fall into a queue, that your prayer doesn't fall off in the wayside, that God hears every single prayer all the time, all at once. And he knows what's perfect and what's best for you. And some of you think this is going to be an ordinary Christmas, but I'm praying for you that, that perhaps God might surprise you, that God would surprise you, that God would reveal himself to you, just like he revealed himself to Zachariah, and that you would find encouragement, that God will fill your emptiness, that God will fill your void, not with anything the world can offer, but God will fill that void with himself, because that is the story of Christmas, that in our longing, that in our pain, God gives us himself because he knows that only he can fulfill our pain and he can only fulfill our emptiness. That God hears and he sees and he knows you. So what's being birthed in you right now from your longing, from your emptiness? What's being birthed from your waiting? Just like Zachariah, maybe you're laughing at God's promises. Instead of saying you're too old, you're saying I'm too whatever it is for God to do what he can do. I'm hoping that he won't make you go mute and can't talk uh, and, and reveal yourself, uh, himself to you in that way. But know that God is going to reveal himself, that he is speaking and that we are to look out for him. Even though Zachariah didn't believe, we hear at the very end of verse 25 there that God still fulfilled his promises. Even though he laughed, even though he didn't believe, God still kept his end of the deal, his end of the bargain, because that is the good and gracious God that we follow. And I hope that will give you encouragement today in whatever impossible situation that you've been praying for. Let's pray. Father, 
we come before you this morning in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, uh, in our emptiness. And I pray, Lord, that you will be the one that fills us, that we won't look for joy in anything else in the world, even though, God, you do bless us in this world, that we will look for joy in you alone because you are the one that we've been looking for. Only you, God, can fulfill our emptiness and our brokenness. So this Christmas season, God, may we hear the same voice the same voice of, of, of Gabriel who spoke over Zachariah of do not be afraid. The word of God, do not be afraid for your prayer has been heard. May we find peace in that. May we find comfort in that knowing that we have been heard, that we are known. So that in whatever impossible situation we face, God, may we draw strength from that this morning. And may you begin, Lord. May we begin to experience, Lord, what you have already done in fulfilling us. May we experience the true story of Christmas, how you have come to give us joy and to fill our emptiness so that we can be made whole and have life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.